there, you are listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hosted by functional medicine physician, Dr. Nicole Rivera, and functional medicine nutritionist, Brooke Scheller. We just want to take a moment to thank you so much for listening and just let you know that any of the information that is provided is strictly for an educational resource and is not intended to diagnose or treat any conditions. The lifestyle interventions discussed should not be used as a substitute for any type of conventional medical therapy. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of IWG Radio. You've got clinical nutritionist Brooke here with Dr. Nicole. And we're going to be following up on one of our previous podcasts where we discussed a little bit about hidden mold possibly in your home and affecting your health. So we wanted to dive a little bit deeper into this topic and give you a little bit more information really about how to understand if you are someone who is suffering from mold and how you can really start to turn things around for yourself. And so um, I did want to interview Dr. Nicole today about some of the underlying things that happen when you are exposed to mold and how your body is really affected and really putting a focus today on hormones because I think a lot of us are suffering from hormone imbalances, whether that's general PMS, whether that is heavy periods, whether it's PCOS, um, even early menopause, extreme menopause symptoms, um, and even maybe changes for men as well, so high estrogen levels, low testosterone, and things like that. So, uh, Dr. Nicole, why don't you give us a really good overview of really what it means to be affected by mold? Well, I guess one classification that we want to create is more so that mold is not always just going to be in your home. There's definitely possibilities of mold in your car, especially if maybe you have a sunroof and there's been a leak in it in the past. There's also mold possibilities in your workplace, as well as mold that could have been in schools that you've went to. Unfortunately, our public schools are a big culprit for why we are being exposed to mold and why we could potentially be having hormonal imbalances at such young ages or you know, in our teenage years. So mold is definitely a possibility in other places outside of just your home. Um, so just keeping that in mind when you're listening to this, because you might be thinking like, I live in a brand new construction, there's no possible way there's mold in my current home. Um, but you also can be affected from past exposure. Some people on a genetic level will get exposed to mold and clear it, no problem, and then other people will not clear it as easily, and their body will hold on to it, primarily in the liver. And with that being said, it will then have long-term effects on their hormonal system. Yeah, I think it's really important that you mention things like previous exposure because we see a lot of clients in here that say, Like you mentioned, no, I have a new home, there's no way. Um, But I think that sometimes people forget maybe they lived, I know college homes are big culprits. Uh, Even if you were ever renting an apartment or a home that was not your own. And it doesn't mean that the home needs to smell musty or seem wet in any way for there to be mold. Uh, It could be in the basement, it could be in the attic. You might not have any idea that it's there but it could be playing a role underlying some of the things that you're experiencing. Definitely, and, and there's definitely so many hidden sources of it. Uh, in our ventilation systems, especially if you have forced hot air and the unit is down in the basement, um, if it's a crawl space or if it's um, you know an, even an unfinished basement, there's always strong possibilities because those areas tend to be more damp. 
So just taking into consideration all of the different elements because when we're talking about mold, we're really not talking about that black mold that you can visually see. Sometimes it is hidden. Yeah, and that's where I did want to mention the previous podcast we had done a while back. I'd like you to take a listen to that if you are listening to this and relating to this. That podcast, I interviewed a gentleman who is an inspector for mold, and he does uses a really comprehensive approach. Um, and he mentions a lot that you walk into the home, you really don't expect it. But looking in certain areas, telltale signs, you might see a little black spot somewhere or you might be able to go down into your basement and kind of visually assess what's going on. Um, but it definitely is important if you are feeling like you relate to some of the things that we're gonna talk about today. So why don't you give us some of the key core symptoms of what somebody might be experiencing if they are exposed to mold? Definitely. Um, so some of the top things that you might notice um, is that you are experiencing some immune system issues. I know that when we think of mold, a lot of times we start to automatically think sinuses, upper respiratory, lungs, potential asthma. And don't get me wrong, those definitely can play a role, especially the sinuses. But the sinuses doesn't mean you're always getting sinus infections necessarily. It could be just general congestion, post-nasal drip. Um, you know, that one nostril that you can't clear or you wake up just a little bit stuffy. So that's definitely one um, avenue that it can take. You're also going to notice that there's some issues with your immune system. You could have been diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. Um, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of causes for that. But this could be a player. Um, so maybe an autoimmune condition like Hashimoto's, maybe Graves. Unfortunately, Hashimoto's is so common, which is an autoimmune condition against the thyroid. Um, you might be just getting sick more often than the average person. Um, and we actually did do a podcast that talks about the top three things crippling your immune system. So we do go into mold and the primary role that it plays there. Um, but another big thing is Lyme's disease. Uh, it's very interesting, Dr. Klinghard, who is a pioneer in the world of Lyme's, he mentioned that over the past 40 years, the clients that he's been treating, 100% uh, of them have had mold exposure, and meaning people that have Lyme's. And I found that to be a really interesting statistic because it just really shows how crippling mold can be to your immune system. So it's something to definitely take into, into consideration if you are combating either Lyme's or other viruses, maybe the Epstein-Barr virus or the herpes simplex virus. Um, it definitely will open you up to a lot of different types of infections. And especially if you are someone who has um, been battling candida, if you have kind of been known that you have yeast in the gut and you've been trying to get rid of it, supplements, diet, et cetera, and it's just not clearing, you might want to consider what is affecting your immune system. So the top, other top thing is going to be your hormones. And I know this can seem very disconnected. Like how can mold possibly be affecting my hormones? But one of the primary organs that mold has been known to affect is actually the pituitary gland. And this is part of the brain that actually controls your entire endocrine system. So the pituitary will affect your thyroid, it will affect your adrenal glands, which produce your energy, and it will affect your reproductive organs. So between the reproductive organs and the adrenals, those are the two organs that make all of your sex hormones. So you're naturally going to start to have abnormalities in your estrogen levels, your progesterone levels, and your testosterone levels. Um, interesting enough, in women, we start to see an elevation 
or an increase in their testosterone levels, which leads to polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, which means they're going to maybe have cysts on the ovaries, they might have excess hair growth on the face, um, they might start to develop thyroid issues. And then with men, we tend to see low testosterone levels. And, you know, it's hard to say exactly why that happens. But in reality, the biggest thing to take away is the pituitary gland is dysfunctioning and it's not allowing the hormones to be produced properly. Um, this can definitely induce adrenal fatigue. Um, some people I know have read up on that and most people are like, oh my God, that's me. Because uh, really adrenal fatigue is, you know, people having hormonal decline, but also having fatigue that goes along with that. So the pituitary gland is the primary culprit. So if you're someone battling with hormone problems and you're trying to address the hormones and you're having limited success or you're on supplements and then you come off of your supplements and you go right back to where you were, you have to really consider, is there something more? Is there something else going on? And is mold the culprit? So you want to address obviously the underlying cause so you could successfully balance your hormones. So that is definitely, I think, eye-opening to a lot of people because, like you said, there seems to be a big disconnect thinking mold and hormones because you wouldn't really naturally think that there would be a, a correlation there. I think a lot of times people think it's just related to, you know, my mom always had heavy periods or my, you know, someone in my family had PCOS and we've always had hormone imbalances. Um, so I think it's really eye-opening for a lot of people to think about the possibility that there is something underlying that. Well, as a quick side note, too, in reference to the pituitary gland, you know, the pituitary doesn't really just affect hormones. The pituitary is an amazing part of the brain that affects a lot of different things. But one of the symptoms of mold is actually frequent urination. And the reason being is your antidiuretic hormone is also made by the pituitary gland. So if you're not holding on to your electrolytes and you're not really um, able to hold on to fluids, you're going to start urinating frequently. And urinating frequently, we could obviously just blame it on, oh, I'm drinking a lot of water, so that's why. But if you're urinating every like two to three hours, that's, that's a pretty high amount of urination. So that can definitely be a byproduct as well. So how do we figure out if there is mold exposure? So we're saying, you know, definitely check your home, find out more about if it's in your home. But then when we get to finding out if this is something that's happening in the body, I want you to tell our listeners a little bit more about kind of the approach that we use in finding out if mold is a concern. Definitely. So Dr. Uh, Richie Shoemaker is um, a huge pioneer in the world of mold, and he is someone who has Put together the type of testing that gives you the most accurate reading for somebody's immune system and pituitary function to see if they have been exposed to mold or are currently being exposed to mold. So we use a lot of similar markers. Um, don't get me wrong, you can go and get certain types of testing to test if mold antibodies are actually in the body. And yes, that is important, but at the same time, you do want to test to see if mold is maybe been cleared, but you're still having a residual effect on the pituitary gland. So looking at a couple different things in reference to the immune system, one of them is called C3, um, the other one is called C4A. Um, these are parameters of the immune system to tell you if you are potentially having a response to mold. 
Um, C4A also can give you information about Lyme's disease. So you never wanna just run that by itself and say, okay, you have mold. Um, you always wanna do something called TGF beta one. That is the most accurate um, parameter for testing for mold. And that is something that is actually only done through LabCorp. So you can definitely run it through your insurance, which is fantastic. But outside of that, um, it's actually a pretty reasonable test. I think it's around $100 if you do the cash route. But the TGF beta one is really something that will give you a lot of information about if you're being exposed to mold currently or have had past exposure. We do also test other parameters of the pituitary gland. We make sure to test something called melanocyte stimulating hormone. We test uh, something called vasopressin or the antidiuretic hormone. So really in reality, I know a lot of people might be like, what does all of this mean? But you wanna look at the pituitary gland to see what's dysfunctioning, what's not. But more importantly, you wanna look at the immune system's reaction. You wanna look at that C3, C4A, and TGF beta one. Unfortunately, if you go with this list and you go to your average practitioner, they are probably not going to run the tests. They've probably never heard of them. Um, and they probably will say that mold is not something that is that big of a deal. Unfortunately, that's not true. Um, in my practice, I was treating tons of autoimmunity, where I still am, but I came to a place where people were hitting a plateau. And it wasn't a lot of people, but there was those select few cases that were very difficult cases and they were just not progressing. And it didn't make sense because we found things in their labs, we were treating their infections, we were treating what needed to be treated according to their labs, but they were not progressing. And the way that I function, it was, okay, it's not that this person is just doomed and they can't heal. It was, what do I not know about yet? So I ended up exploring the possibility of mold and what that can potentially do to the body. And that's really when I came across um, Dr. Shoemaker's work and it just was like, oh my God, this is exactly what is happening in these people. Did the testing, um, all of them came up positive. And then after we had that information, we were able to help treat them for their mold um, and other infections. And that was what got them over the hump. So it's definitely been a game changer in how I treat my patients, but um, I just can't believe how many people are affected by mold. It's, it's mind-blowing. And I really think that a big culprit is our workplaces as well as our schools. I keep hearing a lot of uh, older schools being shut down for mold remediation. And in reality, how long has the mold been there? It's been there probably a long time and these are kids being affected that are you know developing allergies they're developing you know nut allergies food allergies seasonal allergies you know how many people have allergies nowadays it's way too common and again i'm not saying mold is the only culprit but i think it's a big player in why the immune system is compromised in the first place yeah and i think it's really important that you mentioned the general practitioner that you might be seeing because this type of thing is not necessarily something that when you go for a physical and have some basic blood work done, it's not something that even if the physician were trained on this information, in that basic type of blood work, there's not really a whole lot alluding to this actual mold exposure. Um, so it's definitely something that if you're relating to any of this, you do want to take a little bit deeper of a dive 
and um, address. And I know we wanted to mention a hair analysis, which is something that we frequently do along with uh, our blood work to give us more information about heavy metals and how that can be playing a role. So why don't you give a little bit more information about that? Yeah, uh, this is a really important piece of information because, again, when you go to your average or general practitioner, um, chances are they're not doing any testing for heavy metals. Um, and heavy metal testing through the blood really is not the most accurate anyway because heavy metals don't live in the blood. If you had mercury floating around in your blood, you would be very ill. You would not be able to think. You really wouldn't be able to function. So typically, your body tries to get rid of these types of toxins, heavy metals, and whatever it can't get rid of, it stores in your tissues, so it buries it pretty much. So with that being said, one of the best ways of testing for heavy metals is actually a hair analysis. So we always do a hair analysis because if somebody is coming up positive for mold, then one of the most interesting things is heavy metals and mold bind to each other. So typically they bind to each other and they live within the bile of the liver and gallbladder. So if you try to help someone to get rid of just their heavy metals or just their mold, you're actually going to have pretty limited success because you have to address both at the same time and that will allow the bile to be released and allow this person to release the mold and the heavy metals and really decrease that toxic burden on them. Yeah, so expand upon the mechanism within the body of how the mold kind of travels through. Well, I think we always hear that our liver is our detox organ. It's kind of the filtration. So there's a couple things, there's a lot of things that the liver does. But overall, um, the liver produces bile. And that bile is what binds up all of the toxins. And in a perfect world, that bile gets released into the gut, the gastrointestinal system, moves through, and then leaves our body via our stool. So that is one of the primary ways that we release toxins, pesticides, heavy metals, whatever it is. So it doesn't always work that way. And the reason being is because the heavy metals and the toxic burden can cause the bile to not be released efficiently anymore. And then if somebody also has gut infections, then it's now, if the bile is released into the gut, now it has an obstacle course to get through. And it can't always just get out of the body efficiently and leave the body via the stool. So you really want to support somebody's ability to produce bile. And this is something I think that can hit home with a lot of people is when we think of constipation, we automatically think, what's going on in my gut? You know, what is happening? But there is a huge component to our liver and bile production that plays a role in constipation. Because if your bile is all gunked up with a bunch of toxins and mold and whatever it is, and it's not really being released into your gut, then you have no lubrication anymore. So you have no way of allowing your body to kind of move things through the gastrointestinal system and you become constipated. So if you are someone who's constipated, you have to consider what is affecting your bile. Is it just toxic overload? Is it mold? Um, but again, through the testing that we're talking about, the blood testing giving you the information about mold and then the hair sample, you get a lot of information as to why you might be constipated and not releasing these things. So all of this is good. But now what can we give our listeners as kind of tips and tricks if they think that they are experiencing this? What can they do for themselves? 
Well, first and foremost, if you suspect mold, um, I would definitely say look into the proper testing for your home. Um, I know that the traditional testing is air quality. So you can go to like Home Depot or you can get an ERMI test online. And those do give, you know, good information. But um, you also want to consider doing a swab test. There's a company called Real Time Labs and they do an environmental test. They give you the directions on how to do it. But you can swab parts of your home um, as well as cut out a portion of your air filter. Send that in and they will send you back letting you know if there are different types of mycotoxins, which are the toxins given off by mold. Um, so that is a fantastic test to do alongside of an air quality test. It's about $300, so it's reasonable in comparison to bringing somebody in. Obviously, if these tests come up positive, you do need to then seek out the proper um, modality of getting your house cleaned up. Um, getting the work done on yourself to see if you are someone who is experiencing mold and, and not releasing it. But then um, in addition, there are definitely certain things you can do dietary wise that can improve your liver function and get your bile flowing better. So the one category of foods is called cruciferous vegetables. Cruciferous vegetables are things like broccoli, cauliflower, bok choy, um, kale, uh, Brussels sprouts, Brussels sprouts, uh, horseradish, kohlrabi. So with that being said, utilizing those foods on a daily basis actually will start to promote liver detoxification and it can really get your bile working better. Another bile promoting food is beets. I know not, not necessarily everyone's favorite, but um, if you roast beets, it's actually pretty delicious. You can actually check out the Eat For Your Gut cookbook. It's on Amazon and that will give you some really good beet recipes. We've made beet hash before. Um, if you make beets the right way, I promise they could be delicious. Mm -hmm. um, so those are some really important things uh, to consider. If you are someone who suspects you have heavy metals or know that you have heavy metals, maybe you're a big sushi person, maybe you've eaten a ton of fish in your life, you would also want to consider taking something like chlorella. Um, the chlorella that we recommend is definitely by BioPure. It's the best. Um, you really can't get a better form of chlorella because interesting enough, chlorella is a sea veggie. So it's known to kind of have mold if you get the wrong type. So really be cautious. BioPure chlorella is the best. Um, but using that is fantastic because if you're eating these foods that are promoting the bile and you start to move things out, the last thing that you want is the mold or the heavy metals to get reabsorbed in your gut. So the uh, chlorella is the binder. So it binds everything up so it gets out of your body efficiently. So I think those could be some really, really great starting points. And then obviously, you know, there's more to it than that. But starting there and then seeking out the right testing so that you can really get a custom plan made for yourself because there might be other co-infections that are happening. Yeah, and I think that's really the most important take home is if you're finding that you implement some of these things, you feel a little bit better, but maybe not 100%, there's definitely the possibility of some of these other co-infections, viruses, and heavy metals and all this that you need a little bit stronger of an approach to help to get rid of from the body. So with that being said, we always offer a free strategy call with myself. If you are listening and you do want to learn more about, you know, really how we can help or if we can guide you to the best place. So as always, please feel free to subscribe, uh, give us a rating and a review, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye.